Thank you. Well, it is nice to be back with you again this evening. Uh, let me ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews is a great book. I guess that kind of goes without saying any book in the Bible is a great book to read, right? Uh, Hebrews is one of those books in the New Testament that often gets overlooked because it has a lot of history in it. And it's one of those ones you've got to take time and really read carefully and sometimes look back in the Old Testament because it references a lot uh, back in the Old Testament. Because in the book of Hebrews, you have a comparison. And the writer of Hebrews, which we don't really know exactly who that was, but the writer of Hebrews shows Jesus to be better than various things in the Old Testament. For the, for the audience in the New Testament, there were those who some struggled with the fact that Jesus had fulfilled the law. You no longer had to have sacrifices. You no longer had to have, have to have priests go before God for you. You can now, because of Jesus' sacrifice, go to the Father. Okay? And really, it just shows, some people would describe it as the superiority of Christ, the greatness of Christ. Certainly, that's fitting for um, this time of the year as our attention is often drawn to uh, Christ and His birth. And as we talked about this morning, the greatness of what Jesus has done for us to bring us joy that is complete, that's uh, found in His uh, His gift of salvation through eternal life. And uh, this evening, uh, just to be brief and, and simple again, because that's the way my mind works, just to kind of keep things simple and, and short to the point. Um, I know my kids like that, usually. How often do you find yourself uh, a professional excuse maker? We're good at that, aren't we? It comes naturally. Sometimes we don't say it out loud, but we think it in our mind. Right? In other words, you are never as bad as you really are. Like when you're driving. I have to... Um, Probably the guiltiest one here. I don't know any of you, but I'm probably still the guiltiest one here. It's always the other guy's fault, right? I mean, if he would have just saw me and that I needed to go here and I needed to go this fast and he's in my way. I mean, it's just his fault, right? Or they didn't see that. You know, we're just very good at making excuses. Uh, have you ever said, made this excuse, uh, that's really not me. I, I really don't know what happened. I, I mean, I, I, that's just not me. Well, who was it? It was you, right? But we're good at making those excuses. Or I just had a really bad day. I just had a really bad day. Almost trying to, again, give yourself the green light to say, I'm going to have a pity party for myself today. Or make excuses for what I've done today. We're professional excuse makers. And we're often very good at critiquing other people too, aren't we, by the way? Right? We can always see. I mean, can't they see what they're doing? I mean, I can see it. I mean, they, they can't see that? We're very good at being professional critiques about other people and their faults, right? 
Um, we often are very um, consumed with our own problems, right? Like, again, the world is my world. And if you don't understand my problem, then what's your problem, right? I mean, the world often, in our mind, because we're selfish people by nature, even though we're redeemed, if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, we still battle with that, right? Of thinking, hey, don't you see what's going on in my world today? We, we become defined by our own problems and struggles rather than being defined by someone who is a recipient of God's grace. Uh, I think you can probably uh, think in your own life, and I know I can, of times when it's very easy to become focused on yourself, isn't it? It doesn't take much. Uh, Each of us probably has certain areas of, of struggle, if we're honest where we know we just haven't quite got it figured out yet, even though God is good and His grace is sufficient. Paul said that, right? The thing that he wishes he didn't do, he did. And the things that he really wanted to do often, he didn't do them. Right? I mean, there's still that part of us, even though we are given a new life, as we mentioned this morning, in Christ, we're not fully changed. We won't be fully perfect till when? We're in heaven, right? Until Christ comes and returns. And that'll be a great day. Because I'll be glad to not have to face the struggles that we face in this world. But even though we face those struggles and have those failures... It's never a green light for us to go and be so focused on ourselves that we forget about the grace of Christ in our life. Because there's really a big difference in how we look at life and our perspective in life. Um, with, with the job that I have, uh, I'm very thankful for the job that I have. I often get, I, every day I get to sit, sit down with people and uh, help them with their, their different needs that they have. Uh, with the company that I work for, and and they're very good at telling me <laughs> their problems, right? And you feel sorry for them, right? and that you know they need Christ, and you do what you can to share Christ with them. But you just think there's so much more in life than just this, and their struggles. Without Christ, really, there's no hope in life, and I hope. I hope, and that's my goal tonight, is to remind us that in Christ, you're a child of grace. You have grace and mercy that many folks have never received. And because of that grace and mercy, we ought to have a different perspective in life. We have to fight that tendency to be like this and focused on ourselves. And think, woe is me. Or you need to focus on me. Or I deserve this. We don't deserve anything, do we? I mean, if we're really honest, maybe a kick in the seat of the pants sometimes, that's probably what we deserve. Or, hey, you need to wake up. Um, 
Uh, I'm very thankful tonight for the book of Hebrews. Uh, it, it is a, it's probably, it's becoming one of my favorite books as the more I studied it and, and, and taught through it. Uh, because it really just, again, reminds us of the greatness of Christ. You know, there's some comparisons. If you go through that book, it's a long book to study, but there's some comparisons again. It compares Christ with the Old Testament priest. Okay? Remember in the Old Testament how the priest had to go in um, that one day every year and make sacrifice for everyone. And he would go in the different compartments back into the Holy of Holies where only he could go. But yet, that was only temporary, wasn't it? Because he'd have to go in and do it all the time. So in other words, his sacrifice for those folks was temporary. And it compares it with what Christ did. That when Christ died, his sacrifice was complete. In other words, it showed the greatness of who Jesus was. In chapter 4 and verse 14, we see a, a, a paragraph that I'd like to uh, draw our attention to this evening. Hebrews 4, chapter 14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things like we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Uh, we're obviously jumping in in the middle of a section here in the book and we kind of give a little bit of description of the comparisons that the writer of Hebrew makes. And again, this is the section where he's talking about Jesus comparing him to the priesthood in the Old Testament and the greatness and the superiority, the completeness of his sacrifice. And he says, Verse 14 begins with a therefore, which indicates that based on what he's just described, which we won't go back and necessarily look at tonight, he says, since we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, which the Old Testament priest never did, right? Again, one comparison showing the greatness of Christ. He said, let us hold fast our confession. And I, I'm not sure why verse 15, other than the fact to show us the hum, full humanity of Christ, we would see, right? We have a high priest who, in essence, as it says, experienced everything we experience every day. It's hard to really even fathom that, isn't it? That Christ, fully man, never gave in to that selfish temptation that we have. <laughs> I mean... I go half a day without food and I'm hungry. <laughs> and I get ornery. Right? I'm sick of the time that Jesus spent out in the wilderness praying. Right? And He was full. Sometimes, I mean, think about this. Do you really grasp the significance of that? Him being fully man and saying, no food. I'm praying. 
I mean, really? That's amazing. Well, he was God. He was fully man, though. Okay? Don't ignore the fact that he was fully man. That's the point of what he's saying here. He experienced all the same temptations that we did, yet he never sinned. He never sinned. So he's a perfect sacrifice. I'm, I'm glad he didn't. Therefore, he could be our sacrifice. And that, so that's the, the, the author's point where he says, uh, who is tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. And then we get to really probably the, the, my favorite verse in this book. This is where I want to draw our attention tonight to verse 16. Therefore, again, based on who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Let's just stop right there. Did they have that privilege in the Old Testament to have that direct access to God apart from the high priest? No. So for us now, because of the finished work of Jesus, we can go to the very throne of grace. In other words, you can talk with the creator of this universe. The one who is never surprised or taken off guard by anything. Even though we are every day, nothing ever takes God for surprise, does it? He never looks at any one of us and says, ooh, forgot about that one. Does he? Ah, there's nothing I can do for you now. Sorry. That's not who God is. Because it says we can go to Him, the very throne of what? Grace. That's a, that's a powerful, powerful concept throughout His Word, isn't it? Grace. Just, I mean, you could just stop and think about that word. And it should humble you. Doesn't it? I mean, the, the, the very idea of grace is kindness at somebody else's expense. Right? Granting something that we don't deserve. And yet, how do we act each day? That's my right. That's what I deserve. Ah, not, is it? And yet, we can continually go to the throne of grace. It's a, such a powerful, powerful verse. Such a wonderful privilege that we have. So, he says, let us draw near. Right? With confidence. I mean, as God desires us, in other words, to come to Him confidently. That's a, it just blows my mind. It really does. I mean, some of us, it's, it's hard to even draw a comparison for us. Because, at least my mind, is real small. <laughs> when, you know, you could think of a high dignitary that you have great respect for, and you'd probably be nervous going there, wouldn't you? Talking to them. You, you pick out who's, whoever your favorite dignitary or important person 
in your lifetime ever was. And you get to go have dinner with them. You'd be excited, wouldn't you? You'd be nervous, though, probably. Right? But yet we have, we have access to the throne of God? The throne of mercy? But yeah, he says to come with confidence. And why do we do that? Look at the end of the verse. We do that so we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If that does not bring um, confidence, not in yourself, if that does not bring Comfort. Folks, nothing else will. I mean, if we cannot understand and remember that we get to go to the very throne of grace, why? He's got grace and mercy there to help us in time of need. What do we do, though? I mean, what's our, what's our natural instinct? How am I going to do this? I've got to figure this out. Right? I mean, I can, I, can, I can fix this. Right? Or we sit and just have a pity party for ourselves. Do you realize? You've got a green light. You don't have to call anybody else and say, Hey, can you go make a sacrifice for me? <laughs> can you go find somebody to help me? You draw near with confidence to the very throne of grace so that you will receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's an awesome verse. That's an awesome... But do we value that verse? Remember what we talked about this morning? If we really treasure something, if we really see its worth, Really hold on to that. Treat it preciously, don't we? But I know in my own heart, because of the sin that's around us and my own choices, oftentimes we get like this and like we described at the beginning, we become so focused on ourselves, we think, I don't deserve this. This isn't fair. Wait a minute. Where is God in this picture? Have I even turned and said, Lord, help me make the right choice here. Help me not to respond selfishly. You're the God of grace and mercy. You said I can come to you and, and, and your very present help in time of need. Psalms says, right? I mean, read the Psalms. See what David says in the Psalms. He's, a, he's a, your rock, your fortress. Do we treat that privilege as a child of God, I mean, do we do we honestly treat that? And I don't want to say abuse it or take advantage of it, but he says to draw near with confidence. It's something that he wants us to do. Do we do that? There's no timetable on it. It's not a nine to five, Sunday only, maybe Wednesday night too. No, any time. How often do you find yourself Maybe laying in bed at night, worrying. 
What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What if this doesn't happen? That's not right, is it? But that's so natural. When we think we can't fix it. But what does that show? That we've taken ourselves as the idol and said, God move, I'm going to think about me right now. How silly that is, isn't it? How silly it is. When we have the very creator of this world who spoke things into existence, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, he's everywhere, complete in his being, all at once. And you get to go boldly and confidently right to him. Right? I mean, the book of 1 John tells us even when we don't do what He says to do and we sin directly against Him, which we do every day, because if we confess, He's faithful, just forgive us, cleanse us of all unrighteousness, doesn't hold those against us any longer. Who in here doesn't do that? Right? Somebody does something wrong to you. Yeah, I forgive you, but in your mind, right? That's not what God does. But yet, that's what we think sometimes, isn't it? Oh, I can't go to God. I, I, didn't, I didn't do what I should do. I did something stupid today. That's not what God is. When you're His child, He's redeemed you. You don't have a free license to go out and do whatever you want to do. Obviously, John tells us that too. But my point is this evening is simply this. Are you thankful for God's grace and the access you have for His grace and mercy tonight? Do you realize what a powerful opportunity we have? James says you have not. Why? Because you don't ask. Right? What do we need to do about that? Right? It's a matter of faith, isn't it? That's why as you go throughout this book and you, and you get to the latter half of the book and you see those people who live by what? Faith. And the writer of Hebrews says, faith is, in essence, believing in what I cannot see but yet fix my hope on. Right? It's the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. It's faith. It really comes down to faith, isn't it? Believing in what God says. And when we have faith to trust God at His Word here, right? Even though we have struggles in life, read the last half of the book of Hebrews. talks about people being torn to shreds, and yet they had faith. Right? God was still faithful to them, wasn't He? He provided grace and help in time of need. It's really a matter of perspective, isn't it? Of trusting in what God says and believing in what His Word says and drawing near. James says, draw near to Him. And He might, 
draw near to you? Uh, no? He will. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. If it's, it's just so easy. And that's exactly what Satan desires. That we go back to our sinful human nature and worry and fail to turn to the one of absolute mercy and grace. So let me encourage you tonight as we celebrate in a few days Christmas. I hope we remember what we talked about this morning, if you were here, of the complete joy that you have in Christ. Nothing really, nothing satisfies more than that. Nothing satisfies more than that eternal life that you have in Christ. And ultimately, when we see that fulfilled with, with, with eternal life in heaven, nothing's greater. And until then, until that day, we have the opportunity to go to God and say, God, I need help. And have confidence that He will act perfectly according to His will. Right? And He will give grace and help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Lord, I need this truth every day. I need to be reminded that You are a God of grace and mercy. I thank You that You are because so often we're foolish and stubborn and selfish and don't obey You as we should and, and don't, live, uh, don't live for You as we should. I thank You that You're a merciful Savior. God, I thank You that You are, you are eagerly desiring us to come before Your very presence because You're a God of grace and mercy one who desires to help his children be victorious and joyful, even in the midst of struggles, that you can give us great peace and comfort and help us look forward to the day that we can all worship you and experience that true joy. So, Father, as you tarry and give us each new day here, help us to look forward to your return and live in light of that and walk in the mercy and grace that you give to us each day. In Jesus' name, amen.